How's everyone doing out there? Well, the end of the lockdown seemingly is not too far away. So fucking hang in there and um, stop your bitching. It's almost over. So my guest today, do you ever watch a film or go to a show or what have you and you'll see a performer, um, entertainer of some description, do something or specialize in something that you just know in your heart of hearts, no matter what, how well you're trained, you're just, you're never going to be able to do that thing to the point where you're terrified watching it. You, does it, does that make sense? Like if you're watching, um, like for me, if I'm watching someone who's, um, like a comedian, and and they're and they're doing something like like Jim Carrey, you know, like just way out of left field, no fear. I'm like fucking. That almost makes me want to stop acting sometimes because I just think I there's no fucking way. Uh, and if someone puts me in that position, I'm gonna fold. Um, and then of course there's other things that you watch and you go yeah 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 that's that's I can do that. My guest today, when I went to see her recently. Um, I, I was absolutely amazed. I just thought, fuck, how does she do that? How is she so quick and so fast um, and so brave and so bold? Um, I don't think I could do that. You know, maybe there was a million dollar price tag on it, but it's still, it's still fucking suck a bag of dicks. It'd be terrible. My guest today is Julie Sharp. Julie Sharp has been a comedic master of ceremony, ceremonies Um for a number of years now, she was a resident at Dracula's and she um, reinvented the character Sarah Pax, which is a quite, an, quite a famous character at, at, at Dracula's. And she went on from there to be Miss Juliet, the master of ceremonies for Princes of the Night at, at um, the casino, which I mentioned I had the privilege of going along and seeing not so long ago, um, and I highly recommend it. So we got, we, we know each other through her husband, Anthony Sharp, and, um, you know, we've, we, we've bumped into each other in passing, and, and, you know, we've been to a couple of things, but never actually got to sit down and have a real in-depth chat. So, and, and, and so it was really fascinating for me, and I've always really wanted to talk to her about what she does, because it's, um, uh, like I said before, I really admire that because it's just I just couldn't ever get over the line to do what she does. I think it's amazing. Um, and it was a really, really sweet, deep, long chat actually. It's the longest in, in, in Big Wonder history. Um, and, of course, we dived into the journey and what's next for her. Um, she's still, still um, working as Miss Juliet, but um, looking at other things and and just how you put that sort of character together and how you were able to, to stay fresh over that period of time um, and what, do, what is she, how she handles, like, you know, a curveball's been throw, thrown at you with a live audience. I mean, that, that shit's next level as well. But I was really, really grateful for her for to, to come down and spend the time and have a glass of wine with me and and share a little bit about her with me on Big Wonder. Check it out, Julie Sharp. If you have any money left in your bank after not working for, what, seven weeks now or maybe you've been lucky enough to 
keeps some money coming in and you're craving some wine. You've heard me crap on about them most podcasts and uh, yet still no one has actually followed the link. This is interesting. But if you do follow the link, www.big, uh, sorry, start that again, www.nakedwines.com.au slash wonder, you will get yourself $100 off a case of wine delivered to the door free of charge. Well, the delivery is free. Uh, I mean, I drink their wine every week. It's fucking amazing. They're a great company. They support local and Australia-wide wine growers. Um, I, that's pretty great. So check them out. Follow the link. Get some wine. Stop going to Dan Murphy's. And I love Dan Murphy's for beer. Don't get me wrong. But for wine, it's Naked Wines. All right. How are you? I'm good. This, I'm very, very good. This is great. Start of winter, but you know. It fucking is. <laughs> the weekend was nice and now and it's now bullshit. It's good. Yeah. Did, you, did you, I don't know if you saw the um, sinkhole across the road? No, I didn't see anything out there. It's pitch black out there. Right. Tonight. There is a giant sinkhole about 15, 12 to 15 metres across, five metres deep that no just way. fucking... Whoop, just across the road. And that, like in the last couple of days? Like yesterday. Oh. Like last night, yeah. Yesterday oh afternoon, actually. Cheers. So cheers. Cheers to the sinkhole. Mm-mm. A bit of excitement. Um, mm. How was your show this oh, afternoon? That's nice. How was it? Good. I'm looking forward that's to it. Fruity. <laughs> um, it was It was good. It's getting to that point where we've actually done two radio shows. For 3WBC, uh, community radio, uh, <laughs> for the last. So every every month that there's a, a fifth Thursday in, we get to do two shows. So we do the the show on the fourth of the the week four and then we do an extra on the week five. So um, I'm kind of sick of the sound of my own voice at the moment because, oh, you know, right. when you just have that thing of you constantly talking and you're mm-hmm. constantly, you know, having a chat and trying to get your jokes out and doing all that sort <laughs> yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, and so and listening back to it on air, I sort of went, Phew. Do you find that tough? I think I'm done. Ah, uh, no, I really, really enjoy it. Okay. I really enjoy it. And um, but I think that's the thing. By the end of it, I've had enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've always found that really strange actually how I don't know whether it's bullshit, you know, when, when actors or whatever go, oh, I can't watch myself. Why? Like, what do you, like, I'm not doing, I'm not in this to watch myself, but yeah. if I've done, been a part of something that I'm really proud of, I want to see it. Like, yeah. and I'm stoked to see it and watch it. You know what I, I mean? I think a lot of the time is, is if you, you feel the same way that you think something's happening, something's happening in your head and you think that that's what's coming across. That's what you're portraying. And I think when you see yourself back, that sometimes it's not what you think you're oh, yeah, portraying, you know sure, what I mean? Sure, Which can go two ways, right? When you think you were f- like your plan didn't come off and something else happened and you question it and then you see it and you go, oh, shit. Mm. That like inside the edit now with the music and everyone else's reactions compounding that, that action, um, that looks great. 
Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right. All yeah. right. I see what he was trying to do there. Yeah. 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 And I think they're the moments when, when you're completely immersed in it and you're not thinking about it, that's the magic. That's when it all happens and yeah, it's all that is great. The best. Mm. I'm the worst at like what happened to me is because I'm, I'm sure I've said this on here before, so I won't go into too much detail because it'd be fucking boring. But because it took me so long, I did. I talked about this on the last actor, but I'll just say this very quickly. Because it took me so long to become an actor and I procrastinated about it for so long. I wanted to do it from when I was six and I didn't start until I was about 33. Your Jesus years, your it, turning point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just thought that because I was so proud of myself for doing it, that everything I watched, I was like, nailed it. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. And And so why did it take you so long? Why did it take all those years to get you started into acting? um, Just, you know, a lack of self-belief and self-worth and what have you. I was Mm -hmm. acting when I was young and I was loving it and then I changed schools and I was bullied for being creative and it took me a long time to rewrite that program in my brain. Um, But let's, just so for for everyone's listening, let's... Mm. let's, um, I know you through Anthony. You're Anthony's wife. Yes, I'm Mrs. Sharp. You're Mrs. Sharp. <laughs> and you have been in the game doing a, a number of different things for... 30 years. 30 over years. 30 years. Yeah. I'm very fortunate to be able to say that I have been employed in the industry for over 30 years. That's, I mean, like that's... It's incredible. Right, that because is Because there's insane. not much talent there. But <laughs> there's plenty. I've seen you. <laughs> yeah. I dragged you along. Um <laughs> But yeah, you know what I mean. Like I don't, I don't specialize in one thing. I'm not a dancer, not a trained dancer. I'm not a, a singer. But you can do both. By any means, I can. I'm a sing alonger. Um, <laughs> uh, my love was comedy. I loved comedy, but um, I, I just wasn't. I thought I was hysterical. But <laughs> but when I got to drama school, I found out that I wasn't very funny at all and, and the things that I tried to make comedy, you know, that was my first taste of That's, no. Julie's attempt at comedy here attempt. was just... <laughs> Isn't that the worst? <laughs> and I was just like, oh, killing me. Oh, and then um, And then so my drama school days, I absolutely hated it. I thought it was the biggest load of wank. Study here? I studied in Wagga Wagga. Oh, did you? Yes. Yeah, right. I studied in Wagga Wagga, Charles Sturt University, but it used to be an agricultural college. Right. So we were, I think we got there the second year that they opened the, the arts section. So we were known as the arty fuck fucks, basically. <laughs> and so we didn't fit in at all because these are the farmer's kids, you know, yeah. they're all studying agriculture. They didn't understand that all of a sudden there's artistic looking people showing mm-hmm. up at their school with colored hair and you know yeah loud yeah. tights and so. t-shirts and all that sort of stuff and um bit yeah. of a Priscilla queen of the and desert moment yeah, exactly exactly and they just they didn't like it so we were kind of ostracized anyway and um but I just found you know I didn't want to climb up to the rock and pretend to be reborn you know, me and my friend Fuck are going all of that have shit, a cigarette. Man, honestly, <laughs> <You know? laughs> Go, I, yeah. oh, never tried cigarettes before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I didn't enjoy it. Didn't enjoy it at all. And then, you know, I started to start failing um, subjects because I just wasn't digging it. You yeah, know? yeah. I wasn't digging it at all. And, um, but then afterwards, um, 
I didn't know what to do. And the lady that I was living with, Betty Keane, good old <laughs> Betty, she was awesome, but she was my boyfriend's mother at the time. But but it ended up that me and her had a better relationship than me and my boyfriend. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and after I finished college, she was sort of like, well, you know, you've had your fun now. Oh, fuck. Now it's time to... Get out of my face right now. Yeah, yeah. go and get a job and, you know... I, I got that chat at 34. <laughs> That's it. you got to start. Yeah. Yeah, and it was... It, it did. It, it destroyed me and I, I remember crying. Like we'd go out and, and get drunk and, and I'd always end up in tears going, oh, I don't know what to do. And, yeah. uh, um, and, and I went to a hairdresser's. So I'm 19 years old and I went into a hairdresser's and went, well, I might as well learn a trade, Fuck. you know, be a hairdresser <laughs> because at least it's creative to some extent. And, um, and I walked in and they basically told me that I was too old to start at 19. At 19. Oh, fuck. So, um, so I remember just completely vaguing out and just wandering around for what a couple of days, just vagued. And then we decided to go to um, Queensland for a holiday my boyfriend and his friend and um can i just quickly ask you what are your parents saying at this point oh that was there they was they're was just a, like they're just like whatever you want to do right you know oh, okay that's you, pretty awesome you be who you are because that is who you are you do what you want to do there to support me completely that's you know, great that was incredible yeah yeah so just it was everybody your else who derailed you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and um so we got to Queensland and, and again, you know, I'm hanging out with country boys because mm-hmm. we're all from the country. And um, I found this flyer on our car that was an a invitation to come to Dracula's Theatre Restaurant. Oh, wow. And I was like, this looks awesome. We should do this, guys. And they're like, mm, you know, I don't want to go to or the to get, just go theater. and eat and check it out type thing. Yeah. 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 So, um. So I rang them up and I said, you know, how much is a ticket? And I was like, oh, you know, it's $30 each. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so expensive, 30 <laughs> bucks to go and have dinner and a show, you know. But I talked these guys into coming along with me because I really wanted to see it because I loved horror and mm-hmm. I loved the comedy and all that sort of stuff. So I just wanted to see something a bit kooky. And that, everyone, was the start of it all. Right. That I walked in and I was home. Yeah, okay, yeah. wow. That's that. awesome. And you got a job there. Well, I I was so blown away by it because it was just so kooky. It was so ridiculous. It was so much fun. I, lo- I just, everything about it I loved. The waiters were all in character and they were all horror things, but they were abusing you and they were, you know, <laughs> they were hysterical. So the sometimes the waiters were more entertaining than the show, you know, in, in some circumstances. And, um, yeah, but but I remember meeting the the owner, Mark Newman, Mark Newman, and he was this incredible stand-up comedian and he looked like a Frankenstein sort of right. guy, but very cool, very handsome, bit of a spunk. Right. And so straight away I was just like, <gasps> Howdy. oh, God, hello. <laughs> um, and, and I said to him, I said, oh, my God, how do you get a job here? And he said, oh, he goes, well, as you can guess, it's pretty popular. He said, there's like a six-month waiting list just to become a, a waiter here. Right. Um, he said, but we do have one that's opened up in in um, Melbourne. Oh, sorry. Okay. You're, you're so this still- is in Queensland. And, um, and I went, well, I might have to go to Melbourne then. <laughs> so Shit. I did. We got home after that holiday 
and I packed my bags and I said, see you later, everyone. I'm going to Melbourne. Was the fella came with you? No. 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 See you, dude. See you, dude. <laughs> and um, I went and stayed with a girlfriend who I met at university. She put me up for two weeks and the third day I was here, got a job at Dracula's. Wow. Yeah. And, and you were the rest a, is history again. Yeah, you were there yeah. for a bit too, right? For 20 years, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, 20 years. But started off as casual waitress, yep. got the job as the head waitress, uh, and when you're the head waitress you get to do the backstage stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was awesome. Awesome. Getting yep. to be that. Then um, being the backstage person you get to do little cameos on stage because you might have to fill in for a few things here and there or be a character in a helmet or, you know, monster outfit or something like that. So you're getting these little bits of stage time as well. And then I got to um, be in the show one year. One of the girls left that was in the cast and it was sort of a bit abrupt so they just went, oh, quick. Right, it's always it's in like you that, go, isn't it? You know, yeah. I know that necessity. you want to yeah, yeah, be breaks. a part of it. So yeah. in you go. And... Um, so had you finished your drama training? Yes. Okay, yes, cool. so I was only so two had, years, yeah. You had some techniques and, yeah. Yeah, but nothing compared to what I was about to right, be thrown okay, into. Because I'm wondering like, oh, shit, how steep of a dive Yeah, was it? it was fully. I had, For my audition I had to sing Happy Birthday in front of Tiki and John who are very well known. They were like the pioneers of theatre restaurant in the 1960s. So they started up... Um, a little bar in Exhibition Street that because they were they were doing the big musicals like South Pacific and all that sort of stuff and they never had anywhere to go to afterwards um, when they'd finished their right. shows. So they went, oh, okay. why yeah. don't we start up our own Here's little bar so all, yeah. the, all the crew can end up there. And, um, and so they did. They just start, had this little bar to hang out with but then, of course, all the actors and entertainers are going there so people started performing. Yes. And then they yeah. sort of went, okay, let's let's get this in motion. Let's get the restaurant happening. Let's get the shows happening. And that was people like Ernie Bourne and um, uh, Maury Fields and all those sorts of people, you know, being involved in that. So right. big, big wigs. Oh, need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And when, when you were there, you, you, you make that transition as you go along through the ranks because I – I mean, we obviously know each other a little bit, but, but we have never actually. This is probably the most, the longest that we've sat down and had mm. had a conversation. So it's one of the reasons I wanted you to, to sit down because I want to. I'm so fascinated by your journey because um, Sharpie showed me one of your stand-up, um, spent like your reels once where you, oh, yeah. yeah, and I thought, and and I just like. <coughs> I'm always so in awe of that ability to do it mm. and I, and what I'm always more fascinated with or just as equally fascinated with is how and why and the transition of going yeah I reckon I could I reckon I'm 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 because I've seen you now on stage and like I saw a couple of like wild cards come flying at you and you've been doing it for years now so you've probably got a, a bank of things ready to go but that speed is always I'm like man I'd be stumped if I can <gasps> can we cut can I yeah. get a, can but I you get know a what up? it is. You know what it is, and and I think that's why with um, comedians that you see a lot of on TV end up being like Captain Obvious because right. 
because they've got to keep coming up with so much material all the time, mm-hmm. like every time they're on TV. And once it's on TV, it's gone, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but what what was the beauty of that was that you did I had a massive store of gags and one-liners mm-hmm. and things like that, but it was also trial and error, like something would happen that's never happened before, but it's it's a golden moment. So mm-hmm. it goes, all right, tuck that one away right, as well, right, right. you know. So yeah. you do, you have this massive store of of all this incredible gold. And, um, but yeah, the, but the, the moments that you absolutely cherish is, is when you are challenged because sometimes, you know, you could, we were doing like seven nights a week around Christmas time and you start going... <laughs> can't do this again, right? Kind of thing, but um, but we were so fortunate in the fact that we had freedom. We weren't doing a you know a Disney musical or something like that right. where it has to be to the absolute minuscule you know stick a pinky up there and it has to stay there yeah. every single time you perform it. We had as much freedom a lot of, as a lot we, of levity, sort of, sort yeah. of, yeah, yeah, and and that'd be a great way for you to work out. Just your brand too, right? Because mm. it because I, I I imagine one of the things that you're also having to be really somewhat conscious of is what's working and what well very conscious of of what's working and what isn't. Yeah. Um, and that would sort of just na- if you had that kind of freedom would naturally come about, mm. right? Mm. And are you uh, so? Like are you going and, and like writing jokes and stuff like that? Or well, you things would just come out, right? And again, that's, a, that's what I mean. It was it was it was turning off the filter. It got to the point where the character that I did was a character called Sarah Pax, which um, was actually a, a sort of a passed on character because it was so popular. So oh, Heidi, who was the daughter of Tiki and John, she started off doing this Sarah Pax character, and she was always the sidekick. Um, to Mark Newman and, and that sort of thing. So she was always just like a little little piece role. But then it got to the point where she would start doing her own stand-up. And so this was like, you know, that was like, the, oh, my God, imagine if you ever got to be Sarah Pack. That would be the best thing ever. <laughs> and I think I was number four <laughs> down, right. down the years. Um but I did end up doing Sarah Pax for 14 years. So that's got to be, is that, that's got to be so up I there, think, right? Yeah. For a so long I think run. I sort of got to do it the longest and, and really made it different as well. Like it was that thing of, I can't copy what. No, you've got to make it your own. I had yeah. to make it my own. So, so Sarah Pax, as you know, is, is a, like a housewife's drug. I don't like know. A Valium. Oh, okay. So it's, it's called, um, so the character was Sarah Pax, S A R. A P A X, but the drug is Sarah S E R A Pax. Oh right, right, right. Sarah Pax, and so this was this was yeah the housewives feel good drug. Okay, <laughs> and so that was the whole idea of the character. She was in a um, hospital gown with all the you know feel good drugs sort of pinned to a <laughs> gown and stuff like that, and you know dead looking makeup and things like that, dreadies, all this sort of stuff. So she'd be dope smoker and you, you name it, whatever drugs bit. out there she's done it sort of thing. And so when I took it over, it just, it, it was too down for me, like very funny, but the, the energy of it was too down. Right. Because too I'm a bit, down. a bit manic. Right. Yeah. And, um, so, you and had to up so, it. so I, so we twisted it to, to be a more of a sort of techno, 
kind of <laughs> 90s because right. that's when I started. So yeah. it ended up being that kind of ADD D sort of Ebenezer hyper. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of character. So um, and that worked for me and, and it, it, it was just that release of she was such a stupid but innocent character that you could get away with anything. Right. Get away with absolute murder. You could, like you, you are, you're telling people their physical flaws in, in front of them, but then you do it with a, a nicety and a, you know, I'm just yeah. I'm just playing here with you. It's, it's nothing personal, you know, it's all that sort of stuff because you don't want to hurt someone. I hurt this one girl, she was 17, and she had the biggest boobs I'd ever seen. They were, <laughs> and they were out. Was she a big girl or was she was little? She was a big girl. Yeah. But the boobs were huge. And huge. I just did that, you know, when you, I didn't see them all night. And then I just went, whoa. And, you know, I had a video camera following me. Right. <laughs> so the video camera goes on these boobs. And like I said, they were, ju- they were out there. She was obviously loved them. Yeah. And, um, and I just, I, you know, did a, a joke like, my God, you know, you could breastfeed China with those things. Something, <laughs> you know, something like that. And... I just saw her face drop and I just went, oh, no. This is that dreaded moment that that I hoped would never come. (laughs) That was it. And I did, I felt, I felt like I just killed her soul a little bit and and I was just like. (laughs) And what did you do? Well, it's just that thing of, you know, always, you know, hold their hand and give them a squeeze or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Sorry, but you had your boobs out. It was really funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm a comedian. What do you expect? <laughs> I've got to go with what I say. Um, yeah, so so I did sort of from then on in sort of go, right, I really got to look at the person first and just, see, like don't pick on a 17-year-old a girl. Yeah, yeah, you know, that sort of thing. Did I tell you? I think I did. But okay, so stop me if I'm telling you a story I've already told you. But did I tell you about my interaction with Pan Am? Mm. I did. Oh, yeah, 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 yes, yeah. Yes, you did. Um, then that was that was almost a, a break moment. Like I was. I'll just quickly recap so everyone knows what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So when I first moved to London back in 2001, my brother, who's gay, and his boyfriend took me to a gay bar, yep. a gay pub, like two in the afternoon or something. And the Australian comedian Pan Am was there and she zeroed in on me within seconds. And she came and she took my backpack and she started grilling me about where I was from. She's obviously an Aussie and Mm. I was like, Perth, she's hanging shit on the city. That's fine. And then she starts to go through my backpack and I'm staying with my brother. I've been in London for like a day and I'm super, 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 super shy. At that mm. point, I've lost all the sort of out there shit that I used to have when I was like 10, 11, 12. And I'm just like fucking, oh, God, God, God. And, and also <laughs> because I'm terrified of the ability that you guys have to be out there and doing this thing that I think would just break me if I had to mm-hmm. do and she goes through my things and she's pulling out my undies and, and my clothes and she's doing all this and there's like 300 gay men screaming and she does some more jokes, whatever. She gives me back the backpack and she walks off and I'm like, whew, 
I look at my brother. I'm like, thank God that's over. And then she turns around and she comes back and she grabs me and she goes, you'll come with me. She puts me out the back <laughs> and I am fucking sweating bullets, dude. <laughs> Her like a little assistant comes over and I'm like, can I, can I go? Can I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to. She's like, you're going on, dude. You know, like you're, you, you got, got no, no choice. Yeah. <laughs> and she comes back and she puts this fucking orange plastic, like Bo Peep's not the right word, but wig on with a yeah, green the dress. Wings, yeah. yeah. With a green dress and like an apron or something. And she drags me out there and I'm like a fucking flight attendant. Yeah. You know, and I'm having to do go down a pretend staircase and push a pretend trolley, <laughs> open drinks and give them to the boys. And they're fucking, woo, yes. I can't remember all the jokes because that came out. Because you're the best person for that job because you're the one who is scared shitless. So you're going to do what she asks. Right, Because right. the worst thing is getting someone out of the audience and they try and upstage you and block <laughs> you and it's just like, you know, you really have to work for your money well, do you in know, that circumstance. That's, it's so interesting that you say that because years later, oh, not that many years later, maybe four years later, I was in a, not the same situation but one similar. I was on a cruise ship that had singers and, mm-hmm. and what have you and it was lunch and we had some booze and whatever and one of my biggest fears still to this day and I'm working on it slowly but surely is singing yeah and singing in front of people I used to sing when I was younger but anyways and they're going around the table and they're singing or whatever and he comes up to me with the mic like to fill in the words and he's like ba 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 whatever it was hands it to me and I go fuck off <laughs> <laughs> like this, <laughs> a total prick. I felt so bad, and he's like, "Anyways, you know, like this." And and I went up to him after. I was I'm so bad, man. And, and I should have thought to blame Pan Am, Pan Am at that point. And he's like, "It's cool, man. It happens." So I was like, "God, that's such a dick thing to say." But it was like so reactionary. I was like, "There's no fucking way that I'm going to sing right now." <laughs> that's the best. <laughs> and yet, secretly, I'm super jealous of of. Anyone who's got that ability to just not yeah. give a shit like that and get up there and do it. Yeah. We used to do everything at Drax from from the start to the end you were on. So we would start and you had it designated jobs when the doors opened. So, um, you know, you'd be in the ghost train as a scarer or you'd be loading people or you'd be getting people off, which was Sharpie's favourite job um well then <laughs> you seat- guys met there right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's very incestuous and you would seat people and you do all this and we also had to do the photographs so we'd take people's photographs and get you know groups of people up on stage and get characters in and you know do couples and all that sort of stuff and so I was the photographer so I'm in my Sarah Pax outfit which at this stage is, is the techno stuff so it's a big baggy Reflector oh, shorts and all you this sort say of stuff. Something reflective. <laughs> <laughs> Big long dreadies, all this sort of stuff. And I have to stand on, you know, people's seats to, to take it. And so I'm taking this one photo on the stage and I go, one, two, someone's dacked me. Oh. Like pants to the floor. And because we do the show, I only had a flesh coloured G string on. <laughs> and so. <laughs> That just went, okay, took the picture, stood there for a minute, looked around and these two, uh, it was a couple and the guy just went, 
I'm so sorry. Did he do it or did his missus do it? He did it. Oh, and then he went. But he just realised. Regretted it. It looked like I had no undies oh, on. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I bent down. <laughs> so my ass is hanging out right to the back. I bent down. Pulled my shorts up Just slowly. <laughs> <laughs> Onto the next one. Um, but yeah, again. And did you give him a fucking massive spray afterwards? No, no. Again, it was it. It was something that he did. He regretted it. He was the same as you. you. Could see at it the straight end, away. at the end, he yeah. was like, "I'm so sorry, I did that." And it's like it's fine, you know. It because it ended up being a comedy moment for. Yep, gave Everyone you something around. to yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So again, it's you know you just you just go with you what's given keep to rolling. you. It's like hecklers, <laughs> hey. Like there's so many great videos of comedians, and I think fuck, you know they're so in it and they're doing their thing, and then some fuckhead starts spraying shit from the back. Yeah, and some of the burns. I mean, who do you think you are? What made you think that you were going to be able to get one up? On a trained pro, yeah, who's got a million but ready. But the worst to... thing is, is that you you don't know what they're saying, right? You can't hear what oh, they're saying. Okay, All yeah. you hear is, <laughs> and you go, like it does. It snaps you out of the moment, and it's like, what was what was that? And then they do it again, and it's like, yeah. So you've got to you've got to go with what it, what you yeah. can make out that it is. But we had this one guy who he just. Did not stop heckling throughout. We used to do a thing called pre-show where we, we were sort of introducing the characters and you had a menu that you would talk about. So people, it was a comedy routine, so talking about all the food and stuff like that. And this guy just kept going, Bleh! and I got to a point where I'm talking about the chef and it was all this stuff, you know, you don't want to meet this chef, this chef sort of, he's going, Bleh! and I said, oh, you do want to meet the chef. And I grabbed this guy and we had a door. Out the side, and I said, "The kitchen's right through here, so you can go in and meet the chef." So he goes through the door, and the door goes right out onto the street. <laughs> Close the door, and he's gone. But then I found out that he's mentally disabled. Oh no! And, <laughs> and he really just was having an episode. <laughs> he, was just, he was just interacting. Oh god! With the with the show, and so. <laughs> To get it's your his, moment to feel get, real bad. I know. To get his brother to go out the front door and, and go and grab him because he was out <laughs> on the street. Oh, shit. But, yeah, he's at the moments you think you're doing the right thing and you're just not. <laughs> Fucking hell. I, I, I um, saw a whatever a video on, on YouTube and normally like um, – you know, either the comedian has got a great comeback and just dismantles the person or they get a little snooty and just tell them to fuck off. Mm. But there's one great video of Joe Rogan actually in one of his specials and some idiot is yabbering on. And to sort of condense what he said for, like across three minutes of back and forth <laughs> is he just basically stopped everything and he, and he was just like, everyone, look at this guy. You realise you're fucking this up for everyone else here you dummy. And then he's like, get rid of him. Yeah. And they just fucking turfed him. And and it was so good. Instead of like back and forth or whatever, I think he, he sort of got him to, well, if you're going to fuck it up for everyone, have you got anything actually to say? And it was some nonsense. And he was like, oh, God, get rid of him. You yeah. Know? So it was so good the way that he just, 
like it's one thing to get burned with a bit of comedy, but it's another thing to stop the show and have all eyes on you and mm. and to it, like to dissect what is actually happening right now. What's happening right now is the world, because this is on YouTube, by the way, everyone's filming this dude, thinks you're an asshole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And I thought that that was really, really great. So when you're you're doing your 20-year um, residency at, mm. um, t- t- refresh my memory again. Dracula. Dracula's. I, I, there's a place that keeps popping into my mind when I lived in Scotland uh, called Frankenstein's. Frankenstein's. Yeah, but that's a bar, isn't it? There's a bar, a bar and restaurant. Yeah, and they have this like the toilets are behind the bookcase. And yeah, you're, it's so oh, cool. Been? We've been Because you did yeah. it at the Fringe, right? Or No, no, no. We, um, uh. My family's from Scotland. I get out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, it's on Frederick So we Street, went on a on a world tour of people that we know, <laughs> and ended up in Scotland, where, and we went to the house in Bonnie Rig, where <laughs> my grandmother was born. Oh wow! So the family still lives in the house get where the Grandma was born. Fuck out. And um, yeah, so we went and hung out there, and and it was so funny because I think. How old were we? Must have been like twenty-five, and felt like we were sixteen-year-old kids because we had to be driven places and picked up. <laughs> oh, is she in the west? Bonnie Rig in the west, like Glasgow way. I can't remember. I can't remember. But, but it was um, rough, obviously. No, 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 it wasn't rough, but it was out. Oh, okay. It was way out. Oh, I see what yeah, you're saying. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, we go on a ghost tour. Oh, and, did, you know, did you do the dungeons and everything when you were in Edinburgh? Well, there wasn't much choice when we were there. So we did this this one that, um, yeah, went around the mile yep. and, yeah, 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 yeah. and into the tombs and stuff yep. in the yep. cemetery and it was awesome and the girl was like, you know. They get this, quite into it too, yeah. She was in this cape and, yeah. and oh, she was and absolutely scared the bejesus out of me and that went onto the list. Have to be a tour guide. Mid nineties, <laughs> would that have been when you were there? Mid nineties. When yes, was that? I moved there in two thousand and one. Yeah, ninety five. Yeah. I think that okay, was. Okay. Wow. Yeah. 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 I lived there for two years. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cold. Yeah. Bullshit cold. Yeah. <laughs> we and were there different... in spring, and it was like, oh, it's the coldest I've ever been. Yeah. It. Yeah. I lived there for two years, and I think um, I had, like, in the summer, well, there was some okay warm days, but the vast majority of it was fucking freezing cold. Mm. So you're doing that, but what else is happening? The what was the stand up? The stand up stuff that I saw was that there? That was there. That was the the character Sarah Pax. Um, so it's interesting because I in the peak of Sarah Pax, I went, "This is it. I just want to be a stand up comic. 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 This is yep. it. This is so much fun. I love it." And so. I went out and did a couple of stand-up comedy nights um, and then got to do the ESPY. Which is? The Esplanade in St Kilda. So that was a big comedy afternoon on Sundays. And I remember this was the first time that I'd sat down with a friend and we'd actually written comedy together. And... And I remember my name being called. Here she is, Julie Herridge. Ah! And I walked out and the microphone looked like it was huge <laughs> in this, you know, spotlight. And I just went, I just remember going, oh my God. Fuck. Oh, my God, because I was doing, 
material that I wasn't really sure of. Okay. But that's, that's part my, of it, right? Yeah, you got to test. Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't my kind of shtick like I did. I Why just wanted wasn't to, it? Well, I, because I had to do a stand-up and I didn't, I couldn't use any Dracula stuff. Okay, okay. You know, because yeah, it's in the show original, there and all that yeah. sort of stuff and I didn't want to go down into the crowd because then I'm doing what I've been doing sort of thing. So, so I just sort of did it and sort of went, oh. You bombed. Yeah, it was okay. I got some giggles, got yeah. some sympathy laughs, I think. Um, and and then a few years later, a couple of years later, I went to the Comedy Fest Gala. And there are was you a, still doing bits? Still doing Draculas. Oh, no, but are you still doing stand-ups in between these few years? No. Oh, okay. No, right. no. That, that was enough. No, that the SB broke me. Oh. And, <laughs> um, and I went to the the yeah comedy festival gala and was sitting there with some friends and this girl came out who was quite well known, quite quite a well known comedian uh, around that time. So this is early, or oh, say mid nineties, going into the late nineties, and she did my stand up. What? Yeah. So it started off and I went, oh, that's funny. That's a that's a coincidence. But then it went to the next because I had, you know, a few things that I that I sort of talked about and and she just sort of ticked them off. This is years later. This is years later. And I went, this is a bit weird. This is crazy. Yeah. And then I and was, was it talk- working? Ah, uh, she, yeah, she tweaked it. Right. So, yeah, it's working for her. And she had a name already, so, oh, okay. you know. okay. So it was fine. And so I was telling someone about this a couple of years ago and they said, yeah, that was that was what would happen was if you go to the ESPY and you're an unknown. You get robbed. The people who were doing all the gigs would pick material because they know that you're not going to come back. Oh, my fucking and, God. <laughs> and I was like... Well, fair enough then. Son of a fair bitch. enough. Well, yeah. it's kind of, I, I guess the only way you can spin it is it's somewhat flattering that they took your material <laughs> <laughs> and worked it. <laughs> and worked it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I think that's the thing was was that was when I first started to discover that the character that I was doing at Drax, like I said, I could get away with anything, and I had such confidence in that character that I would just do anything with it and all that sort of stuff. But take that character outside of Dracula's, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to anyone. And people think you're racist. People think you're okay. like all this sort of stuff because you're doing these these gags. But in that environment, it's so safe. Everyone feels safe. Okay. And, yeah, so it took me a long time after not doing Dracula's, like, you know, going to the casino and stuff like that. It took me a long time to find out where to perform at as being me yeah. but an extension of me and not being this goofy, kooky character. Okay. So yeah, that yeah, yeah. took a little while to sort of figure that out. Because there seems to be, I, c- I can't even say the last time I watched stand-up where it was a character anymore. That was a thing back in mm. the day. Now it is, it really is just that comedian with their thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, the, the character thing is, is done and dusted. Um, and interesting, like, like, not to 
bring him up again, but um, well, I didn't even notice that that had <laughs> fucking done that. I didn't even notice that it had done that either. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How long has that been down like that? <laughs> it's just going to be this 20-minute silent stretch. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> what? You son of a bitch. I didn't Jeez. even see that happen. It can't have been long because I, no. I'm sure I caught it out of my... Anyways. <laughs> um, they were talking about Joe Rogan's brand of comedy. I'm not a huge fan of his stand-up, um, just probably because I just enjoy his mm. podcast so much more. But his is very conversational comedy about real shit. Yeah. You know, so it's almost like this educational talk mm. layered and pepped with comedy. It's still yeah. comedy and he's still a comic and still stand-up, but it's not – he's not running jokes. It's, it's big, long mm. thoughts on things, yeah. which is, a, I think, a, a more emerging kind of brand of comedy. Um, so you said – so three years later you had another crack at it and you heard someone saying your jokes. Did that mean you were up on stage at that same event? No, 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 no. We just uh, went – Oh. Um, so was that your luck? Like that was the one time you jumped on stage to do your own solo stand-up? I did. Where did I go? I did um, – I'm just trying to think. There was three three places I went. There was the um, the Odeon, which was in the casino, which is now the one opposite where we do Princes, which is called Co. So that was like a little cabaret-style nightclub and they used to do comedy there, I think, again on Sunday evenings, afternoons sort of thing. Right. Uh, so I had a crack there. That was pretty fun. Um, and then I did, the first one I did was out at Williamstown, I think it was. There was some sort of stand-up comedy night out there and we used to, you know, just go. And one night someone didn't show up, I think was what happened. And so the guy who was the MC sort of went, oh, does, you know, does anyone want to get up and have a crack. So I actually got up and, and did the stand-up from yeah. the show naughtily. And um, and afterwards, yeah, the guy was like, I think his name was Brad Oaks, who was a huge, uh, he's a big guy. And so he used to always do fat gags, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. That was his thing. Um, he was, again, huge in, <laughs> in the 90s. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and after that he was like, "Man, you know, what are you doing? You've got to, you know, you've got to get out there. You've got to, you know, get this material." And I said, like, oh, "It's not my material, you know. It's, you know, this is what I do, sort of thing." And, and he was like, "You know, we'll get writing and stuff." And that's where it sort of ended up that I went, "Okay, I'll get, have a crack at the Odeon and I'll have a crack at the SB." But yeah, but then by by the time I did the SB, I went, "Ah, no, nah, I don't, I don't enjoy being me doing comedy. Okay, I like being." A character, right, 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 and stuff, and um, yeah, and it was, it was that thing of of taking that storage of gags and things that I knew and trying to make them work as Julie the MC. Okay, okay, yeah, because yeah, I'm just about to ask you, like, if you like to be the character, when I came to see you, I mean, it felt like it was you. Mm. Is it? it it's not. That's not a character, is it? No, it's 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 an extension of me, though. It's an, well, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. that so then th- that seems like a lot. Like to me, that that's like when I when I when I went and saw it, I wasn't like, 
whoa, who, this is a whole other spin. I was like, oh, I, I just saw you. Yeah. Like sharp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's me, great. my absolute, you know, confident Wonder Woman yeah, self. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's it. But, you know, take me off stage and I'm, I'm a quiet little house I mouse. I wouldn't say that. Wouldn't you? Nah, not at all. I wouldn't call you quiet at all. <laughs> I wouldn't say that you're loud and rambunctious, you know no. what I mean, but you're very confident, you know what I mean? Like it's not like, um, hi, how are you? You'd be like, hey, what's up to a stranger, you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, when I yeah. first met you, it was like, yeah. oh, yeah, what's going yeah. on, you know? But I do say that is one thing that I'm very aware of because it used to drive me insane around that scene, you know, the Dracula scene and the, the comedy, yeah, the, yeah. people that don't switch off. Like it just yeah, I'm the it's same. so tiring and, yeah. and it's just like just You relax. don't have to be like this. Yeah. yeah. You're a funny guy. We you know, got you yeah. back then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. Just, when I went to art school, it was a funny thing because I left high school early because all I ever wanted to do was be an artist of some description. Mm. Um, it was nothing else in my mind. Oh, maybe I could be this or maybe I could be that. It was that or I'm just, I'm doing art for nothing and I'm, I've got a job to pay bills. Yeah. You know, there was no yep. no ulterior career. Um, and I went to art school and the fucking nonsense that people used to, to, to crap on about, like at the common room and the get-ups and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm all for genuine... Individuality. Individuality or, <laughs> you know, but but when it's premeditated and it's this fucking, oh, God, <laughs> you know, like shut up. Yeah, Just yeah. be real, yeah, man, you know. exactly. Fucking hell. Exactly. Because it is. It's, it's, it's tiresome and, yeah, people just want to get out of there yeah. when, when, that's ha- when that's going on. Yeah. Um, but it's funny when I was when I was a kid, that was my thing. I was same as you, like five, six years old, being bitten by the bug. Yeah. You know, I did my first school play, got some laughs, and I was like, <laughs> "Man, this, this is me. This is awesome." Yeah. And then huge, huge fan of the Muppet Show, like a little bit stalkerish. Erica loves the Muppet Show too. Muppet yeah. Show was just the best, and so I always had that thing in my head: if I could do anything in the world. You know, I'd I'd be on the Muppet Show, but then I sort of went, you know, and Mum and Dad would buy me, you know, Muppets, <laughs> so I'd you know do all the shows and stuff. But I was sort of like, nah, it's not quite it. Right. It's it's along the it's, line, it's but it's like, not yeah. quite it. And We're then warming I warming up. Yeah, and then I realised that's what I wanted. I wanted my own Muppet Show. I wanted that environment. I wanted that craziness. I wanted that lifestyle yeah. of that show. And, you know, be careful what you wish for because that's what I got with yeah. Drax and yeah. it was best 20 years of my life so far. So why so did you good. leave? I had a baby. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. But it was. It was getting to that. It was getting to that stage. I was I – was, you know, getting to forty, yeah, and and you know, this is a a place where you know they're telling you when you hit thirty, you're too old to be on stage. You know, you're out, sort of thing. So I was very lucky to get that extra ten years, which is a bunch squeezing. of bullshit. Too. It is a bunch of bullshit, yeah. but it's funny because we got to that stage 
like, yeah, you know, I was I was 40 when I left or 39 when I left. Um, the guys seemed to go on a bit longer but the girls, you know, had to sort of finish up early. and Recalibrate. Yeah, but then they sort of, you know, they would hire people into their mid-30s but then in the last few years they... That, that was a thing that they decided to do, that they were not going to hire anyone over the age of 30, especially females, because knees go, um, <laughs> like all this sort of stuff. That's the, that's the reasoning apparently. Um, so, yeah, so crazy, crazy. And, and so how much time did you take off when Lucy So I was, I was full-time as well. Like I yeah. was a full-time person, yeah. um, employment. And which was awesome, and yeah, so I had I had a year's maternity leave. But um, the thing was, was um, they'd never had anyone <laughs> in the show go on maternity leave before. So we're all sort of testing new ground, and um, and then by the time we had the meeting to say, okay, you know, where's this going to go? I was sort of like, I really want to come back. But I don't think I can do five nights a week. Yeah. Again. Yeah, it's time and to rejig. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's it, and they were sort of like, you know, we've got this new cast and everything. It's like, yeah, so it just is a decent stretch. Yeah, and 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 I thought to myself, you know what? I've had such a great time. It's time to give someone else a go. Yeah. At this, you know, can't be too selfish. Yeah. Because it is. Something and that everyone should experience. Yeah, that's you know inclined to totally. be that way. Yeah, and also on a on a non, not even selfish, in that respect. But maybe I don't want to say selfish in a in a in a in a shift. But time for you to experience something new too. Yeah, and it know? was getting to that point where I was starting to just repeat. Yeah, and it that's was the no last three good. years were probably just repeat because that's what they. That's where they were at as well. They were, you know, rehashing shows from 10 years ago. So right. already done it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. new for someone else, but it's, it's not, new for you. <laughs> not new for me. And um, and so I think that was the thing as well. And, and I, again, you put things out to the universe, but you don't realise it until afterwards that they, they do come true. Fucking A, they do. And I said, the only thing that's going to make me leave here is, is to have a baby. And boom. And boom. <laughs> next day I was pregnant. <laughs> yeah, but um and the next day I had her. <laughs> and that's it, and that's it. And um the thing is it, that was an incredible twenty years, but it only took one year for me to lose all that confidence. Like by the time really? that it was having that conversation about going back, that I was like, Oh my god, oh, I don't fuck. think I yeah. Can I I don't know what to do. I don't have the confidence in my ability to do this anymore. Isn't it crazy how how quickly that fucking dissipates? Absolutely. Yeah. Especially in in the seemingly in the comedy realm um listening to stand-up comics talk about if they're not up on stage you know, five or six nights out of seven working material, it, it only takes them a week or two before they feel like they're not as sharp as they should be. Oh, yeah. And, and I think I don't think that's a, a, a false perception. I think that seemingly is is the go. If you're not 
work and that's why Eddie Murphy's taken so long to get back mm. on stage because he, he doesn't go and work the clubs. And yeah, so he yeah. is 30 years out of touch, although Netflix have just paid him. Or they speculate something like fifty million to do two shows or something like that, and he's signed on. So oh he's been God. writing for the last seemingly eighteen months or something, or someone else That's has been fantastic. writing for him. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's fantastic. I just God, how does he recalibrate his his thing of just hanging shit on gay people and fucking white well, see, people? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, again, though, this might be the resurgence of. That sort of stuff because we got so politically correct. That it's it was- the best time for comics right now because everyone is so fucking sensitive that every joke doesn't need to be crazy before it lands and offends someone and that's yeah. the best part about well, it. Well, I watched the Chappelle one. Oh, dude. But, but see, it didn't offend because everyone's <laughs> no, like, oh, my God, this is going to, it's so offensive. It's, it's just out there. And I went. They're so Don't, good. Yeah, and yeah. he is so aware. He's so good. Oh, he's the best. He yeah. is. But I, I just, I was amazed at, and fair enough, the people that were telling me that it was so offensive were the under 30s. Oh, really? Yeah, people under 30. And they're going, oh, my God, you will not believe Babies. what he says. Babies. You know, and um, and I just, I found that I maybe I just had the, um, you know, the anticipation that I was going to be shocked. And so right. even when we went to see Book of Mormon, you know, everyone's like, oh, my God, it's so, oh, it's so out there. You're going to be so shocked. And so me and Sharpie were like uh, waiting, <laughs> waiting to be shocked. I try to we're just think, like, damn it. Yeah. I try, the, only, the only, look, I don't, there's not much that would shock me, you know what I mean? Mm. But probably the closest that I've ever been shocked shocked or like oh fuck man you better collect really quickly i don't i i, I don't know what's happening right now is louis ck's last special and he went on this big tangent about abortion right and it and everyone was like oh and i even me and i'm a massive louis ck fan and i, I you know like i don't really put too much thought into it like it's comedy <laughs> right? right even i was like not offended but i was like whoa louis this is a bold swing, you know, and he totally collected and, and, and whatever. And then unfortunately his career went to the toilet for a little bit. But Yeah, yeah. But Chris D'Elia, do you know Chris D'Elia? I know that name, but I can't put a face to it. Right. He's he's one of the hottest comedians out there probably now at the moment. Right. Uh, he's got a great podcast and he's got three specials on Netflix and he's been in a bunch of shows and all this kind of stuff. And he has a very unique, <coughs> I think, <coughs> unique me. brand of um, comedy. But he was talking about like people attacking him or whatever for, for saying whatever it is that he's saying mm. in the comedic space. And he's like, hold on a sec. They're just jokes for a start. Somewhat true, but mostly jokes. <laughs> and also, you pay me to make these jokes. Yes, I know who you're talking about now. You know? Yes. Well, shut the fuck up. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Because people do. They want they want to have that that shock factor because it's fun, it's exciting, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um and I remember when in ninety five, because we did we did the world trip and went to LA. For the first time, I went to the the comedy store, and so excited. 
but I actually saw for the first time racism on the other side. So it was it was directed back at white people. Yeah. And I was like, man, what's going on? This Isn't is that crazy. Yeah. Never yeah. experienced that before in my life. And and then um there was a woman that came on and she was drunk and she was bored. She was a well-known comedian at the time. She had her own TV show. Oh, right. I can't remember her name though. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> and she was just being offensive. Right, for the sake of it. For the sake of it because I don't think she wanted to be there. Right. She must she have had to, to off. one she of those gigs that she had to out. be there. And she was like, you know, I've already got my check so I don't give a fuck kind yeah. of thing. And um, people were getting up and walking out and I was just like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen the footage of the guy who played Kramer? Yes, What's but his that, name? that's years Richard ago. Or something? Oh, I can't remember because I love him, like as Kramer. He was brilliant, he's brilliant. Just... But then he gets coked up to the gills on stage at the, at the laugh. Factory and was that or a racism Dude, thing? It was nigger that whatever. Wow, <laughs> right. Christ, I went on Australia. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just dropping air. End bombs left, right, and center, and then you know, black people in the audience who were coming to see Kramer, unfortunately, were seeing this coked up, yeah, A lister lose his fucking shit. Yeah, well, I think that happened to um, the guy from 30 Rock, Tracy Morgan. Oh, yeah, that but happened- he survived. Yes, but that happened here, I oh, think. Oh, really? Because he was at the Palms at the casino and same thing. All the 30 Rock fans were like, oh, my God, we're going to go and see this guy. And, of course, when they get to see this guy, he is brash and he's a, a total prick, isn't he? That's <laughs> <laughs> what I've heard. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, like full on, full on stuff. And same thing, people getting up. I think people just... People who go to the Palms just do that anyway. Right. <laughs> I, I, like, I was never, a scene. I'm not a huge... Huge fan of his brand, but there's a guy called Bert. I don't know how to say your last name, Bert Kreishner, another stand-up comic. Mm. Hilarious. I really like his his jam. Um, but he tells this now quite famous story about coming up in the ranks and partying with Tracy Morgan and mm. being at a nightclub. Is that his name, or that's his character name? Trace Tracy Morgan. That's what everyone calls him. Like he even refers to him in the past as Tracy Morgan. As Tracy Morgan, yeah. Okay. But I, I don't know enough about him, so I could be totally yeah, wrong. I'm not, I'm not sure. But he basically, in a nutshell, without the long-winded story, you should check it out on YouTube because it's quite funny him yeah. telling the story, is that he would go into clubs and, like, you know, do the Don Perignon thing all fucking night and, you know, $6,000 bar tab and then start a fight with the bouncers. And there's this one thing where this huge fight went down because they wanted Bert to pay it. And he was like the white guy and it was a bunch of black guys at the table. So they thought he was like the manager. And it's like, here's the bill. He's like, I'm not fucking paying it. And so Tracy started this huge punch up and they got fucking thrown out and his shirt comes flying out the, the front door. And um, Tracy Morgan stands up and he's like, that's how you get out of paying a bill, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, like this. <laughs> It's the best. I'm going to remember that. And, and see you later. Fucking strolls on out of there. Wow. Just get kicked out. <laughs> well, there are ways to do things, isn't there? Isn't that crazy, yeah. 
<laughs> so, um, is the thing that you're the um, show that I came to see you at mm. finish? Is you finishing up on that? Or are you? No, no, no. So no. that's so I've been at that one for ten years. Mm. I'm a bit of a stayer. I'm very yeah. loyal. You like it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that was um, again. That was that was so funny because that was the year that yeah Lucy was born, and it was September of that year, and this guy Craig Weiss approached me, he rang me up actually, and he said, "I hear you're not um, doing Dracula's anymore." Are you interested in doing another job? And inside I'm going, oh, my God, I thought I'd never work again. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's asking me if I want to do wow, a show. Wow, you're getting you know, hunted. Yeah. Getting headhunted. This yeah. is awesome. And so so I was sort of like a, a narrator role throughout and he was the character of the king. And, and so, I, yeah, but it would be things like um, – he couldn't do a show or something one night. So one of the princes would fill in for his role. But then people were sort of like, why is one prince speaking but the rest don't? And Right. You know, so there was, it was a lack of continuity. Yeah, so it wasn't really flowing well. And so um, and then we went on tour and Craig just said, you know, maybe Take you it. should just do the whole thing. Yeah. So I went, yes. At last. <laughs> Paid off. <laughs> yeah. And and the way things are set up now, it, it works with having that female threaded through. A hundred percent. Yeah. Especially especially with the way things are. Um, and it, it offers a nice lubricant for whatever the girls have to do or get up on stage. Like with the one that I saw you in um, – that I don't know whether it was her twenty first or whether it was her hens, but she did not fucking want to be up there. Mm. And I could see her just like cursing the shit out of her mates. And whether she didn't know that she was going there that night, or she suddenly had a panic attack, but I think having you in between her and the lads mm. would have been a, would have made a massive, massive yeah, difference. Yeah, and it does. It makes a huge yeah. difference because <laughs> it's 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 like I'm the the link. Between them and the stage, I and think the safety, the safety, and yeah. the and the it's okay. We're just having fun, yeah. And you know, nothing bad's going to happen. Yeah, you're going to be all right. I'll look after you. Yeah, <gasps> was a little top up time. Just a little top up, little little, little little tipple. Little, little Say when. Thank you. Um, so I want to ask you a question. Mm. Hopefully, it's goes down well. Um, <laughs> so like this wine. Yeah. You're doing you're doing this and you're 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 still in it. My question is, what is it that you love about emceeing and being on stage and doing that thing? And is there something else that you'd like to do also that you haven't done? <sighs> that is you know, kind of percolating there. This is the thing, isn't it? I find you know, I'm I'm fifty now. Mm-hmm. So it's been 10 years of doing this and I do, I love it. And the fact that it's only once a week, like we were saying, you know, the comedians that don't get to do it, you mm-hmm. know, five, it does it really, it, it really is a thing because it took, like I said, five years to get some kind of rhythm in that show by doing it once a week. It took a long time to, 
to suss it out because you are you I'm so used to workshopping stuff every night so to do something on a Saturday night and then you have to wait a whole week before you do it again Mm -hmm. it was really a long process yeah it was really hard to sort things out Mm -hmm. and um and and I find I I do I I love it and I feel like it's it's me, like I'm giving my all to this show and I do, I love it and I want, and I want to give more, I want to be more creative with it and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, I'm, I'm sort of balking at other things and, and it's funny, I was talking to um, Maria Mercedes who's a huge um, TV, film and stage musical theatre Start. We just had her on our show this today, and um, and she said, you know, in my twenties, I would do anything at the drop of a hat. And we we're having this discussion of of now. It's like, oh, oh no, you know, don't give me something, you know, that I have to be there tonight to sing a song because I need a month to <laughs> Prep. prepare for. You know, it's that, and I think it's that thing of with age, you do you start to um, you start to worry about things a bit more and I and I do I find that I'm so fully confident in princes and I will do anything and go anywhere and tour that show but give me something new now so and there's a um, bit of fear there's a whole lot of fear even doing that chain movie with Sharpie I was absolutely shitting myself I really <laughs> wondered about it I really because I ha- obviously I'm I've, I don't um, I know you more now in this last hour than I've I've known you across the, the three years that I've known you guys now. It's been three years. Yes. <gasps> My goodness. Isn't that fucking bananas? That's bananas. Yeah. Middle of 2017, I met Sharpie. I mean, I probably didn't meet you maybe for six months or something mm. into the the friendship. Yeah. But I'm really because that's what I'm so fascinated about, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about it. Like. Yeah, you've got this little thing. Not it's not a little thing, but but you're doing this thing and you do it really, really well. But it's once a week. And and then I saw you in this clip which I watched today, and I was like, fuck. And I believed you in it. You know what I mean? I didn't feel like, oh, Sharpie's just grabbed his missus and his kid in there, and it's this thing that's been loosely put together. I believed all of you, a hundred percent. Thanks for saying that, Josh. No, no, no. That means- I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm. <laughs> As Sharpie knows, <laughs> I'm fucking crazy direct. I would have said, oh, I think maybe you guys should stick to the stage. Yeah, yeah. No, not at all. So I want to know, is there, like, do you want to, you know, wrap that thing up and be in films or do you want to, like, do comedy somewhere well, on a show? See, like is, what? Again, this is the thing and this is probably the block that I've put up in my head is that when, when I was – in my 20s and my 30s, I was, yeah, you know, doing voiceovers, doing commercials. All right. You know, doing bit parts on, you know, TV, extra work, you know, all that sort of stuff, just saying yes to everything, yeah. you know. And and now if an opportunity comes up, like I'm on, you know, those uh, email castings and something will come through and I go, oh, I'd be good for that. Nah. Oh. Delete. Really? Yeah, and wow. I just have this thing and, you know, like getting my photos done. Like I. Oh, yeah, you did. You were like, no. Nah. 
not quite there yet, Josh. Thanks. But um, yeah, it's it's all that sort of stuff, and I find that I'm a bit frightened of because it's such a different scene now. I think you know, with uh, YouTube and and all this sort of stuff and and self-taping and all that sort of thing, which should make you feel more confident because you're not getting in front of the audition room camera and stuff like that. But I I do, I find I'm balking at it more and more. And I I think, again, maybe because Sharpie's so good at it that I don't want to compete at all. I don't want to... You know, well, let me just fucking just just nip that right in the bud straight away. It, there is no level of competition, and not because he's this or you're that. From from my, and I don't want to say limited perspective. I think I have a pretty good perspective on it. It's two totally different brands. Oh, completely. A million miles completely. apart. You guys are never going to cross over. No, no, no. Your thing is yours. Get rid of that. When you were talking earlier, I thought to myself, Jesus, I would love to see you do your brand in a character on a YouTube channel. That was yours Mm. and it was your jokes and you could start to build these characters and what have you because you would smash it and you've got all the tools through Anthony to get it. I mean, watching what you guys filmed together, like a professional fucking two and a half minutes of a feature film. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and, I've got a, and I've got a oh, girlfriend. Big <laughs> I've actually got a girlfriend who she's in the same same boat and it, and it's it's so beautiful. She she was a, a Dracula friend. We met there, you know, again 30 years ago. And she lives in Bendigo, so we've been friends for so long. Um, she finished up at Drax and you know, went off on a cruise ships and did all that sort of stuff and right. then came back went back to Bendigo, fell in love, had a 20-year relationship and now it's ended. So she's looking for something to do. So she went, right, I'm going to get back into acting. Yeah. And she's mustered up all this confidence and and stuff and she's gone back to a character that she used to do uh, in the early 90s called Beryl. And so she's starting to get her YouTube channel up and happening with this Beryl character. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. You got to do it, dude. Oh, but I did. I, I looked at what she was doing and I went, oh, I could never do that. No, fuck <laughs> that off. But you know what? Here's the thing, right? Like from someone, and I I can say this with 100% confidence because I procrastinated for 20 years, mm. right? I wasn't someone who was in it who just didn't want to try this other thing. I was, a, I was working on a fucking oil and gas ship. Yeah. Dreaming of being an actor. Yep. And my first email went out from a cabin in the middle of the ocean to sign up for an acting class. So. There it is. And I fucking went to that acting class and was a private. And I fucking shit myself in the car. (laughs) And I, like an asshole, I got there like an hour early and just terrified of going in and saying lines to no one. Yeah. Just to a teacher, like in a private room. Terrified. What am I terrified of? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen. And one of the most valuable internal monologue things that ever happened to me was auditioning for a student film, mm. right? Bunch of fucking 17 year olds. And I'm. Who are fucking- they? 
worst critiques. <laughs> yeah, but I'm dying before this audition, right? I'm sitting in my car again, <laughs> panicking. And I was like, what can I say to myself to get me over the line? And I'm trying to think of what my dad would tell me. Like my dad, who took a while to come to the party, but at the same time could fucking stand out and say anything to anyone, anywhere, anytime. I don't give yeah. a fuck. What's the worst that can happen? Say it. Who gives a shit? That didn't work. Ah, oh, yeah. So, so what I got to was my life is only going to change if I get it. Yep. It's going to be exactly the same if yeah. I don't. And I went, whoa. That was very freeing for me. And I that's went straight great. in there and yes. I got the part. Oh, that's great. And they, they didn't even ask me to do a retake. They went, oh, that's it. That's yours. Yeah, it's crazy. It's So do it. Do it. Just do it. And, and I think that's what it is. I need to find. Because you've had a safety net for a long time, right? And I think that's what I... I think that's what I relish in. I, I relish in the fact of having a safety net. <laughs> and that's because, of course, because now I have a family and, and, the and it's about, things, the, and it's the about dynamic bringing shifts. money yeah. in, you know. Yeah. And, you know, like I Friday nights I do schnitz and tits, which <laughs> destroys my soul. <laughs> I don't. I don't need a schnitzel and show my tits, though. Yeah. That's not me. I'm <laughs> completely covered up in costume. Like I go the extra mile. But that's an easy job. That's a job that I just, I can just walk into and yeah. play some games dude, and do you a need host. To, you need that's to step it. back into the challenge. Yes. Yeah, dude. Yeah, because you're. Oh, it's still a challenge, believe me. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah, but it's a different, <laughs> a different challenge, challenge, right? This is this thing that we t- we touched on just before we got on on mic, was to talk about entertainer mm. capacity. Mm. You know, I I didn't, I wasn't aware of my stance on the whole thing until I was listening to a podcast, and the actor was saying, "I'm an entertainer," so. I'll do whatever it takes to make sure my audience is entertained and that's mm-hmm. how I roll and rah, rah. And I thought, ooh, to me that sounds like a like a tricky line to walk. I would much prefer to just do whatever fucking spills out and hope that people like it and not mm. give a shit if they do or they don't, you know. And then you're not ever having to... Of course, like you get into the twentieth take and you've run out of juice, you've got to yeah. fucking fake it. Like unless you're Jack Black, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you can just go on and on and on, on and on and on. And on, and on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you've got some incredible techniques in place, but it gets tough, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there is that part of us in the in the entertainment industry, like. But for the most part, I would rather just not look at it like that. But that can become. Yeah, like I say, I feel like that could become a limiting perspectives. Perspective mm. is not the right word, but a but a but a kind of biodome of creativity to sit mm. in. It's like because your choices have been governed by is this going to be entertaining? And and not to say that that's bad or anything like because obviously bringing joy to people and seeing them laugh and fucking have a great time is amazing. 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 Yeah, yeah. And, and, and and that's what I get from people who do, because I'm terrified of being on stage, right? So my hat is like 
I have so much respect for people who are on stage because I would fucking melt. But that is but one. See, of if the- you had that moment, if you had that moment of being up there and you made someone feel special in that crowd and joyful and love you. You'd be hooked. Totally. Like, like <laughs> I mean, I have been on stage and I loved it. But, and and I, I think that if the, the, the film thing goes well, someone said, hey, I really love this film that you're in. We're doing this play and it was really, really down my alley. Mm-hmm. I would totally do it. But it's not, I'm still terrified of it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, but see, that's what I love. I love the excitement of live performance. Put me on a film set, I'm bored shitless. I really? hate waitering around. I hate all that stuff. I hate doing a 10-hour shoot for a 30-second bit. You know, I Fuck, I love that. See, it's it's so funny though, isn't it? <laughs> it is. But yeah. I love that instant gratitude of um being on stage and 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 having to deal with whatever's thrown at you you if something stuffs up, you got to keep going. It's not those cut. Yeah. Do it again, you know. So if you were to do your own characters and channel and stuff like that, because I feel like there's a little bit of you that wants to touch on that. Am yeah, I right? Yeah, and look, that? I've got a cabaret show that that's in the in the works at the moment that um, is going to be a touring show, and we've we've got these kooky characters that. Um, it's one of those immersive theatre so sort of cabaret. So that's my jam. It really is, yeah, right? I, I think love that's, it. That's, that's a question that's been underlying. Sorry, I didn't want to jump in, but I had to just nail that. You actually really fucking love that. And if you can find a way to keep doing that in different capacities, mm. you're good to go. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Fair to say, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And you know what I've been thinking of recently because, you know, um, Things are going on in the world, uh, voiceover, right? And and like we we're saying, you know, doing the podcasting yeah. and the radio show and stuff like that. I'm finding that um, that's maybe something that I would like to get back into again. Is is doing voiceover stuff? But you've got a great voice, so you should. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, but also animation. I'd love to imagine doing an animated film. Oh, How incredible cool would that be? Yeah, it'd be awesome. So that would be awesome. Do it to Archer. Love Archer. Oh, my God. I love Archer so much. <laughs> Erica was just watching it the other day. I was like, this is the best. It's so it's mad. So it's so funny. Yeah. But all those all those um, sorts of things. And, and again, unfortunately, that's where um, I just watched a – went down a, a bit of a rabbit hole on YouTube the other day and it was um, talking about how animation, when it first started, you know, like your Disney animations, it was all – Unknowns doing yeah. the voices for everything, and it was uh, um, Robin Williams as Aladdin, Aladdin. was wanted, the first yeah. one that you know the really, big celebrity. Really, yeah, and, then, and he was so adamant that he did not want that to be the selling point of the film. You know, he's like, "Don't yeah, do even you remember mention his me." Speech when he won an award for it? No, I don't remember what he said, but I remember him getting up there and just going. That sort of thing. He was really deflammatory towards it. Like, really? is this some fucking bullshit? You know, yeah, yeah. He didn't like being the guy for just voiceover. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. it's an incredible thing. What he does is so incredible. And the fact that they 
even redid Aladdin as the live. Oh, I can't believe Guy Ritchie did that. He did it. Yeah. And Is it good? No. No, I'm going to say it's it's still a spectacular. It's a feast for the eyes and Will Smith is the genie. Is he good? Well, he's different and that's the that's only way shit. that you could do it is that it had to be different <laughs> yeah. because you, you can't compete with Robin Williams. He's lost his way a bit, hasn't he, old Will Smith? Well, I think he just started getting into his love projects, didn't he? And they unfortunately know, they just sort of didn't go his way. Maybe the last good film that he did. Uh, Seven Pounds. Oh, Seven Pounds. What a great film. Honestly, one of the best films I've ever seen. And yes. it's one of the. I'm going to have to watch that again when I get home now. And just fucking <laughs> rip your heart out mm. watching it. I remember watching it with my girlfriend back in like, must have been 2007 when it came out. And we didn't know what we were about to watch. Same. Right? And fucking our housemate comes in as the credits are rolling and we are on the couch Bawling, and they're like, "What's happened? What's happened?" Like someone had fucking died. And I was like, "We just watched Seven Pounds." <laughs> Devastated. 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 The fucking mood in the house was so broken. Yeah, but don't but you love that when I a movie can I do that? Love it. Erica hates it. Really? And I fucking crave it. Oh my god! I remember seeing Schindler's List <laughs> and walking out, going, "Right." Okay, but then I was affected for the next three days. Yeah. Like I did not stop thinking about it. I just, it was just constantly on my mind. On your mind. Mm. I said, to, we were, I don't know. Oh, there was a photo we took of Layla um, the other day and it was, she was in an Eagles onesie. I'm an Eagles supporter and all of her family come. Oh, Eagles, I thought you meant the band then. Oh, no, that would be way <laughs> <Do> better. <I? laughs> and I'm laying next to her and I've got her on the ground like this, but she's got her fist like this <laughs> and I've sent it off to her Carlton supporting family and given her a bit of stick and he's like, look at her. She looks like she's about to fucking punch you for putting her in this um, Eagles onesie. <laughs> Anyways, the conversation went to Million Dollar Baby and I was like, <gasps> To Erica, I was like, you haven't seen that, have you? And she's like, see if I'm going to fucking watch that. Like, just she just oh, knows. Oh, my it's, God. I was like, it's pretty rough. She's like, how rough? I said, it's probably the most heartbreaking film that I have ever seen. I've mm-hmm. seen a lot. That one takes me years yep. to get over. Yep. And she's like, why? And I was like, um, spoiler alert, because she breaks her fucking neck after nearly winning the fucking championship and she's down on her luck and when Clint Eastwood cries, it fucking breaks people's soul, man. Like That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what happens. Right? Yes. And then she rips her own tongue out and she's got bed sores and she gets a quadriplegia and then she fucking loses her legs. Bro, it just goes south. I know because so it was, quick. and it's one of those movies that you just don't think it's going to go that nah. way. It's a sport film. Yeah, and it's <laughs> feel good. It's like, oh, underdog, and she's winning. She's going to do it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and they did so well in the marketing of that that you never saw that coming. No, not at all. I fucking lost it when I saw that so badly that it, but I. Love that. Yeah. I had a, a guy on the podcast months ago who was talking about how he winds down from whatever busy day or a hectic day or whatever. And 
He does it with reality TV. And I can't stand fucking reality TV. And I was like, wow, that's, that's fascinating. That would just make me want to slip my wrists. But for but I will wind down with heavy drama because mm. it will just make all of my problems seem insignificant. Yes. Completely the, minuscule. Yeah, and, and the, 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 the super powerful acting, I am just completely consumed. Um, like films like that are, are, are so powerful for me that, even if I'm doing a scene where maybe all of my training is is not working out, mm. I'll think of a sad scene from a film. Yeah, that I have a real strong personal connection with, and that'll get the tears. And it's totally arbitrary. That's how invested I am in those so big scenes. Funny. You know what makes me cry? Go happy things. Oh, all the time. I'm a happy cry. All the time. When I saw Layla come out, man. Oh, the tears. Oh, dude. The tears of joy. You know, and I had been like a fucking rock the whole <laughs> way. And like all the nurses were like, Jesus Christ, dude. You're <laughs> stoic. Like you're there. I was down on the fucking business end going, oh, my God, this is amazing, you know. And I caught her and gave it to mom and I was like, get that gas pipe, like the whole thing. And then Erica went off to have um, a little procedure afterwards and patch up. And they were weighing her and what have you. And then I just started to fucking ball. And they turned around and they were like, oh, dude. Can you even imagine these days, like for our parents, that they didn't even go in the room? Like I find it so crazy crazy that that was a thing that they would just hang out in the the waiting room. You couldn't go and see your own baby because she was in this, well, he was in this fucking. Ward with yeah, other and the kids, fact that, yeah. That you just under fucking fluorescence, yeah, yeah. You just don't be a part of this. Yeah, you're not not support nothing. It's <sighs> just it's unbelievable. And because I had quite a difficult birth, did you? Yeah, and and if I didn't have Sharpie there, wow, what a even more traumatic experience that would have been. Can I ask why? <gasps> Three days, three-day labour. Oh, fuck. Yeah. But I think the main thing was was we had a wonderful obstetrician who had, a, pull that one in a, little bit. had yeah. a conference conference that weekend that she was born, so he was away. So This is like the shit that you see in films that you I don't know. think is going to so happen. So his understudy, <laughs> call him understudy. So his understudy, his fill-in, was also at that convention so we had the third guy. Was guide. she prem or was she on time? No, she was two weeks late. Oh, fuck. Yeah, two okay. weeks late. So, um, but, you know, they, they always give the two week before or after sort of thing. Not anymore, they don't. Ah. Uh, oh. Man, they, that, anyways. Anyway, so third guy down the track. So never met this guy before. He's very abrupt. He's uh, not even interested in who I am, what my name is sort of thing, you know, that sort of, yeah, that sort of thing. So Prick. we go to the popular, the popular, <laughs> get the popular, go to the hospital because uh, I'm having contractions um, and and he basically goes, nah, just go home. But so there's no, there was no support, there was no help. So we, we did calm birth, <laughs> calm birth. And <laughs> for three days. For three days. And actually that was, it. that was the incredible thing was, I did do calm birth 
for three days and I was fine. Like I was getting through it. But it got to the point on the third day that I, Sharpie asked me a question and I answered him, but it sounded like my voice was coming from oh, wow. over here somewhere. So I knew that I was delirious and, and right. things were, were going. Were gas? wasn't on anything. This what? was just breathing. Oh, this is before the hospital, before you got to the hospital? No, this home? is at the hospital. Okay. During yeah. like, like your contractions were yeah, like 30 on, seconds apart sort of thing. And yeah. had, a du- had a doula. So oh, you did? Wow, yeah, that's progressive Because she came with the then. whole yeah. calm birth thing and we ended up just ringing her because this doctor just sent us home and and I was like, I don't know what to do. And she said, it's They all almost right. did it to us, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, she, yeah. So good. What a great job to be a doula, just hanging out. She was there for 48 hours, you know. Yeah, right. Incredible. We had a student actually and she was incredible. Mm. I have to I have to say she, she did a great job for a 20-year-old or, or whatever who our Layla's birth was her second. So a, mid, a midwife student, yeah? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she'd been with us for the whole thing. Like, I mean, like months, like all the checkups and... That's awesome. Yeah, and then we said, oh, we're going in. It's like 10 at night. She's like, oh, I'll fucking be there. Wow. Yeah, she was great. That's and, so um, cool. Sorry, you were, I don't want to cut your story off. But no, yeah. no, no, go ahead. Um, yeah, Erica's um, contractions sort of started middle of the day. I'd gone out for a job. I think I knew maybe it was, we were about three something days was, over. Yeah. Something was in the works. Mm. And I came back home and my mum was here and it was, but they were like eight minutes and then they were like three and then they were like nine and then they were like four and then seven and like two and it was all over and we kept on the phone and they were yeah. like, no, stay at home, stay at home, stay at home. Then there was like a couple like fours and threes and she was getting into pain. So we went in there and she's like, oh, well, fucking, you know, maybe, maybe we're going to send you home, but we'll just have a little look and we'll see how it works out see what your dilation is and and mm. did that and then they're like oh well you're kind of you're a little bit oh okay we'll just hold out for a little, for five and we'll see what happens <laughs> you know maybe it's going to be like three in the morning but we'll keep you in and then it was like as soon as they had I, you know i don't know maybe with the they were checking sort of helped Sort of, yes. Correct me if I'm wrong. They get in there and they, they sort of yeah, check feel shit around out. A bit, feel yeah. around. And then it was like, loosen things presto. up. Presto. Yeah. I had like maybe a 15, 20 minute nap on the couch while the student looked after Erica. And then Erica's was on this monitor and her contractions, it was monitoring the intensity of her contractions. And the Louisa, as her name, said that, um, you can see where it spikes at, I'm going to use the wrong numbers, but let's just say it's 70. Mm. I feel like it's 70. That's like labor intensity contraction. It shouldn't go that high and it should go back down to like seven, but she's staying between 20 and 70, let's just say. Mm-hmm. So she's experiencing labor contractions when she's hours out. Right. So they put her on the gas straight away <laughs> and and because it was so fucking intense but Layla was was not there yet mm. and then and then um sorry everyone you're getting my child's get the birth, birth story get the birth story but so, so she was on that 
for maybe two hours. And then, and then it was like, she's, she's, she's not going to come out. We don't want to put the suction cup on her, but she's getting jammed and she's getting tired. And they put the, put the heart rate monitor on yeah. the top of her head. Yeah. And it's like, we don't want to put the suction cup on. And Erica, you've got to fucking, you've got to dig deep. And they, she, it's like a fucking addict. They're like, give me that pipe, you know. <laughs> She's like, I no. <laughs> holding on to it. But it was so interesting. Like I've, I've been with Erica for nearly four years. And if you're listening, baby, I love you. She's very sweet and very kind and compassionate and soft-spoken and little things will disrupt her and, and she'll be affected by them. Mm. She's an incredible, beautiful soul. Yeah. 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 And then when it came to this and she was so terrified of the pain and, and everything, she was just like. <laughs> yes. And she and I, she didn't say anything. She didn't scream. She didn't yell. She didn't fucking curse. Nothing. There was only one moment where she's like over the edge of the bed and I'm behind her holding like here. And I'm holding her hand and, and she just goes, are we almost there? <laughs> and that was it. And that was it. Wow. It was crazy. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah, oh I have this great God. photo of her just grabbing Layla for the first time and the, the only tear that she dropped in the whole thing was just fucking just there. Oh, gorgeous. It was crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, and every person's, every woman's birth story is different. So they say there's some crazy, crazy birth stories because, I mean, they've obviously made a reality TV show about it. See, you can see you're getting emotional about it now. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, but it is. It's, it's, it's the biggest thing you're ever going to do in your life, isn't it? It's nuts. It's fucking. And then, yeah. I mean, Erica had to go off and have this thing and they wheeled me and Layla down after she got weighed and everything and I'm just, it's like five in the morning and it's just me and Layla. True love. Just like. Yeah. I'm like, am I doing it right? Yeah. You know, like. It's ooh. so crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. And it's so, and that's the thing, like you do, you go through this, for a woman, you go through this ordeal. And like I said, mine was quite traumatic. Um, but afterwards, it's gone. You know, Rather the than amnesia whole thing's gone. Yeah. That's gone. You can't remember what the um, cramping labour pains were. You can't, even, you can't even imagine what it was. You can't remember that pain at all. Um I remember the only thing that I was worried about was that I would never ride a bike again. <laughs> <laughs> so I just don't think that's going to happen. Oh, and God, it's a trip. I know. And and again, being um, later in life, a mother later in life. Um, well, I think there's only a year be- between us in that, like Erica's 38, you were 40. 39, yeah. That's only, yeah, only a year between us, yeah. So yeah. it's just, you know, they told us no chance. Really? Yeah, you've got maybe an 8% chance. Don't get your hopes up. I know. <laughs> we were told. And 
were all told, you know, your child's going to have Down syndrome. It's like, really? Fucking pricks. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, but if this was my third child. You're good to go. It'd be no worries, yeah. you know, but yeah, it's your first. Tested. Yeah, so yeah. Assholes. Craziness. But, um, but that was the thing, I think, being, being later in, in life and, um, and, and it being what it was, I didn't go back for seconds. <laughs> yeah, we had no plans for seconds. We still don't, thank God. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, well, you might think differently. Yeah. I don't think so. I thought about this the other day and, and, and I'm just amazed and in love and, I, and this is great. But well, it doesn't need another child. I don't yeah. need to take away from my financial capacity to look after Layla with another because I, I desperately need another child because that's what it is. The world doesn't need a child. You need another well, see, child. See, this is this is where we were at too. We were at the we were not even thinking of having children because of the whole population crisis yeah. in the world. You know, we're very big animal lovers and we're very big animal conservationists yeah. as yes, I've seen your work today. Oh my god. So cool. Which Aunt was doing some of the photos oh, for your stuff. Right. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. So excited. Um and um yeah, so we we were even we were at that stage where we went. We'll just get ourselves tested to see if we are fertile because we don't think we are. We were the same. Yeah. <laughs> and if it wasn't going to happen, then we weren't going to push the point because mm. the world doesn't need another child. Yeah, and, exactly. And we'll put our energies into something else. Yeah, and we were thinking of you know fostering or doing that yeah. if if we had that need. Um, but now Lucy's ten, and she's like, I wish I had a brother or a sister. I really wish I had someone. Oh, really? Yeah. And we're like, but that's why you have dog. Jake. That's why Jakey is there because yeah. he's your brother and the cat's the sister. So you don't have human siblings but you have these beautiful fur siblings. But um, There's a way to convey that. But that's, that, that's though, when you start. Eventually. That's when it starts pulling at the heartstrings ah, okay. where you go, oh, my God. And with, you know, the idea of a pandemic and all that sort of stuff, I said to Sharpie, what if something happens to us? What's going to happen to Lucy? You know, that's yeah. that's where you start going, oh, my God. One's okay. One's good. One's yeah, good. One's good. I tell and, and look, I'm not at the 10-year mark, obviously, so I don't know. I, I'm very lucky to have Erica's um, sister and her husband who have two kids and mm. they're just down the road and they're amazing. But I come home and or wake up in the morning and we put Layla in bed with us and, and we hang out and what have you and I'm like, this it's a is great, great little tribe. This is great little tribe, right? The three of us. <laughs> yeah. It's my girls, me and my girls. This is great. I'm 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 content. I'm yeah. done. I reckon we could call it there. I just have to say one thing. Go. You know who you look like? I've finally figured it out. Ray Fine. I knew you were gonna say that. Do you get that <laughs> a lot? Was, all the time. Really? Just talking about it today. I, I was just about to say Ray Fines. It was just a look that you did and I went, oh, there it is. I'm going to have to play this to the guy that I was trying Honey. to convince him of today because he was like, oh, yeah, baby. I was like, I get it all the fucking time. There's <laughs> even a casting director here in, in, in Melbourne who's like, Rafe. <laughs> <laughs> that 
so young Rafe. Funny. He's like, he yeah. sends me a photo of old Rafe. I'm like, dude, he's bald and old and a little fat. No, Get no, the no, fuck no, out of here. Not Voldemort. This is like fucking uh, English was, patient. That's the one. English, English patient, patient Rafe. Rafe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love your work. It's so good to have you on. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. This has been a blast. Thank it you really so much. has. Thanks so much Ooh. for coming down. Pleasure. Bye bye.